very big thank you firstly to <coughs> uh, Sandia and uh, Ella for kindly uh, uh, inviting me uh, over I wondered what our neighbours were doing <laughs> so I'm the messenger from the, the other place and uh, just take if I may a minute or two to give you a little outline of what we're doing o o over there so the ev today this evening we're just coming to the end what is a total of four weeks and the endeavour is to um, generate and create uh, agents of change the general conception for this is equal consideration to working with and changing ourselves and also finding and developing skillful ways and means to contribute and to give support to the welfare of others and the change of others. And that can be through uh, groups and programs and courses that includes both the uh, spiritual world, the world of psychotherapy, psychology, um, social issues, political issues, animal rights issues, environmental issues, global issues, all of that's part of the agenda that we've been engaged in and it was in two two-week periods. Um, I wanted to put it sim uh, simply what the programme about, in my view, a contribution to the collapse of capitalism. But that's another. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, <laughs> we won't go into that. <laughs> You're not here for that. What I'd uh, like to uh, 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 respond to and speak a little bit uh, uh, about, I would like us to have three minutes of mindfulness of breathing in and out at the end of the three minutes I would love, love to hear a few voices from you what your experience was within this three minute period and you might just like to say a word or a few words or a sentence or two and then I'll respond to what you say sound workable we'll see and, and if nobody says anything then it's going to be another meditation period <laughs> <laughs> can't lose <laughs> alright so first thing as you heard from your beloved uh, teachers uh, here the uprightness of the posture it's not important at all whether you're cross-legged whether you use the kneeling posture with some cushions or you use the chair. To put it very simply, the shape of your legs has no relationship to clarity and wisdom. <laughs> some Buddhists think it does, but no, no, it doesn't. So, we sit upright, we sit rather tall. The, the long spine helps the energy for us just to flow a little bit more easily and freely. Uh, there. If there's still some uh, lovely energy at this time of the day, eyes can be closed. If you are feeling a little tired, and then the eyes could be uh, um, uh, open or half open uh, as you wish. So, take a look at it. Okay. So, we'll have three minutes there. I'll give a short reminder time to time. Be mindful of breathing in. Be mindful of breathing out. Be mindful of the inhaling the breath coming into the body and exhaling of the in-breath and the out-breath is a 
contribution to reducing stress. The harmony of heart, mind and body. As we draw in the oxygen into ourselves, as we breathe in, and then releasing as the air element goes out. In through the nose and out through the nose. wanders and drifts just quietly coming back to this bare experience of a human being being mindful and conscious of inhaling and exhaling contribution towards grounding ourselves <coughs> to being quietly focused and centered and goes just as all experience are subject to coming and going contact with the breath contributes to the development of calmness and clarity so that we can develop ways to bring the same quality of calmness and clarity to numerous situations in our daily life. Contact with the mindfulness of breath. Any feel free if you wish to share. Yes, sir. I miss the word. Feel disoriented. Feel disoriented. All right. The, I may ask, with the disorientation, uh, was because the mind was moving elsewhere or energetic? How, how would you describe this feeling of being disorientated? I'll, I'll repeat if you can't hear the at the back. Mm -hmm. 
until the until the minute I opened my eyes, I felt that uh, I'm not. I'm not uh, it took a few a few seconds uh, that uh, I felt that I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not here. I'm not, I'm not sure that I'm here. Yes. And then until you, uh, I heard the big and they opened up my eyes. Uh, it happened. It happened yes. over and over in each meditation. The same yes. So sometimes, this, um, when the eyes are closed, as person pointed out, and we are uh, uh, sitting uh, still and being mindful, in this case of the breath, it is you know, quite common, it takes a little bit of adjustment to feel the sense of focus and presence and being grounded. And it only takes a little bit of movement with the energies, a few thoughts and this disorientation that you uh, referred to. If it's happening in the meditation uh, for you, then the small step of just letting the eyelids come up and that reconnecting with the immediacy of life. Ah yes, I'm here, present, there's no disorientation and then that return back to the closing of the eyes and seeing if that same sense of presence and steadiness with the breath then can be sustained. And it takes a little, it takes a little while, but like everything else, it's some uh, uh, practice, uh, of course, and sometimes um, in the disorientation, uh, feels a little bit to be uh, in the dark. But as your lovely T-shirt says there, there is light after dark. <laughs> so sometimes the light is the opening of the eyes. <laughs> yes, anyone, any response? Yes, please, yes. Um, why we inhale and exhale through I missed the nose. word, I'm sorry. Why we inhale and exhale through the nose and not through the mouth? The question is why do we inhale and exhale through the nose and uh, not through the mouth? Oh dear. Um, <laughs> There's a T-shirt here. No, inhale. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, the the primary the primary primary uh, 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 reason is in the use of the nose for the inhaling, which is you know the primary use of the nose really is for breathing in and breathing out. It's its primary uh, uh, function. When the being settles more in a certain sense of harmony and well-being. It can be, for some people, that the amount of breath that we actually need actually gets less and less. It gets quite subtle. So, in the steadiness, the, with the reduction of the stress, uh, or tension, and we feel quite present, quite clear, with the eyes closed, the, there can be the out-breath, and there might be several moments before the body needs some more air. And, and it might require just a little bit of air. And the uh, nose allows that to be more subtle. So it is often when there's quite a lot of uh, exertion, then the nostrils are not big enough, as we know. So then, of course... You know, if we're running or doing some aerobics or whatever it might be, then the mouth is the opportunity to, to take greater volumes of air. And that's the primary uh, reason for the, for the nose over the mouth. Because there are some techniques that you exhale through the, through the mouth. Yes, yes. Yeah. So there are some techniques, such as sometimes in pramayana, you know, the, the uh, Indian practices, all of which genuinely can be really helpful. The primary criteria, of course, is one's uh, uh, own experience. Here, the primary uh, aspect of it is towards the calmness and the clarity in relationship to the simple event that the breath comes and goes like so many other things and experiences in our life when we want to take one object, in this case the breath, and then see if we can apply that principle and practice in other, other areas uh, which is, uh, is there. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, anyone please. Yes. Um, I'll, 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 I can repeat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, please. In please. the beginning I felt the breath, 
and then uh, it becomes so soft that I couldn't feel it anywhere. No. Not here, not here, no. not here. Like I'm looking at and yeah. there is like it, there is no breath. Yes, yes. So, um, uh, so far, if I may say, having been a teacher for f- oh gosh, 45 years, uh, etc., so far everybody's got up and walked out. 100% record. So what the, re- <laughs> what, what, what the reference is, it's a very uh, um, important point here, sometimes the breath is so soft, so genuinely soft, that the consciousness or the mindfulness <coughs> doesn't actually pick up uh, the breath. It doesn't actually notice. It doesn't notice the air uh, element touching in the nose, or may, we may not feel any expansion of the lungs of the chest area there. When it's very, very soft, it isn't necessary to try to force the breath to make it stronger. Can we, when the breath is very, very quiet, in the way that you just described, we're not actually picking it up. But in such moments, we're just going to be still and we might just be mindful of the whole body. And it may be, after a minute or two, or the next meditation, that the breath feels that little bit more strong, and so that's more clear and, and uh, present. So if the breath is too subtle, make the body experience more primary. Anyone else? Any... Uh, uh, responses? Yes? Oh yes, hi, yes. Um, when I began uh, being aware of my breath, I also was aware of uh, my pulse in various places. Your pulse? In yeah. The body, you know. mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the principle uh, uh, of life here. When we as human beings engage in life and connect with it, if we put our focus on one particular thing, in this case it's called the breath, it could be anything, on one particular thing, we will also be mindful of what is not that. If I concentrate on one thing, I'll see what is not that. If I concentrate on happiness, I'll see more clearly what is not happiness. If I concentrate on being generous, I'll uh, notice where I'm being greedy or tight or, 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 or mean. So the attention to one will help to bring out more than that, just that. And the energies of the body and your commitment to the present will notice and observe uh, the pulse pulses which are taking place in various parts of the body. It can happen that in the relationship to that exploration, sometimes there is pain, may go from pulses to some pain, and that requires some mindfulness of breathing in and breathing out again, and especially on the outgoing breath, can we relax through. If it gets too much, if it feels like control, then one would make some change in the posture. Just very slowly and mindful of teachers who have spoken to you, I'm sure. And then returning back to, to the posture. Uh, another question, and I'll speak a little bit on the, on the, on the theme here. Anything else? Then? So, <coughs> I'll speak a little bit uh, uh, long, uh, longer here. <coughs> Just give me a, a moment. When, when we look at our experience and re- relate to it, there are, in a way, two things which are happening and both are important. And what I mean by that, there is the experience there is the experience, in this case, say, of being with the breath, the experience of being with the group, the experience of eating and going to the toilet and listening to teachings, etc. So this is the variety of experiences. 
but the experiences which are taking place carry with it the experiencer the one who experiences what is happening the experience itself has a relationship to the experiencer and the experiencer has, has a view of the experience and it's to get to understand well, things which are important to me in life whatever they may be about and the feelings that go with that and the experiences that go with it there is the one, so to speak who interprets it who has a view about uh, it and your view of any, exp any experience which you or I have in life is as critically important as the experience what is the view it could be you're sitting in meditation you're on a retreat it's the first time in your entire existence that you've ever set foot in such a weird environment uh, that you don't know the hell what is going on either inwardly or outwardly you can't imagine whatever brought you into a place like, uh, uh, like, like this uh, uh, etc and probably the most successful mantra on these retreats has five words to it it's more successful than Hare Krishna, Hare Ram or Om Mani Padmi Hung and all these others and the, the, the mantra which is running through probably the minds of quite a few of you is, has five words what am I doing here? <laughs> and it's a good question <laughs> so there's the meditations and the mindfulnesses and the practices which are taking place one's just finding out could this have any relevance and with that, as I say, the view arises. We can only find out if it is useful and appropriate uh, and has some benefit for our life. The only way we can find out is by the practice. The books can't tell me. The audio podcast can't tell me. The other person's experience can't tell me. I have to give myself as a human being some time to explore and see the re if, it, if it genuinely is useful and if it isn't simple drop it that's all it might be useful if I may say I spent 10 years in the east as a uh, six of them as a, a Buddhist monk in a Vipassana monastery in the south of uh, Thailand this is 1970 I the only Westerner there and being English um, far too lazy to learn another language that's why the English had to try and conquer most of the world because the English were so lazy they forced other people to learn their English it was, that was the ideology it hasn't gone away and um, <clears throat> so there in the monastery and then you're doing the same practices the sitting and the walking the meditation very much the same as here and this mantra was going on day in and day out I was having a great life before I became a monk been on the road for three years hitchhiked, walked around 25, 30 countries plenty of adventures what the hell am I doing sitting in this monastery uh, there. and then sometimes there's, there's, as we know in our lives sometimes there is the transformative moment Sometimes in life there is a moment and wow, it makes sense. Being clear, being steady, focusing on life, watching the wandering mind, looking at my experience, seeing what my interpretation is of the experience. Well, this makes sense. There's something useful in this. And once I, that had struck me, this, this is useful, then I, whew, I'm on my way. I'm doing well my way, I mean, around the monastery. <laughs> 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 Another story, anyway. So, 
So sometimes it, it's like lots of things. You, one learns to ride the, the bicycle, I remember as a kid or with my grandkids. You keep falling off the bike. Oh, I can't do it, it's too hard, it's not working. You know, one person said to me, Christopher, I've been doing these retreats. It's changed my life, but I don't think I've been able to be mindful yet of two consecutive breaths. Sometimes in the smallness of what's happening, this human being sitting on this earth, breathing in, breathing out, etc., etc., the deep of the being is something else can be happening which we hardly realize. And this good woman said to me, you know, Christopher, I've always led incredibly, never been adventurous in my life, but I just felt I was missing out in my life woman about 50, five zero, 50 years of age and she came on some retreats if I, if I am mindful of a single breath in a day she says I think it's an incredible success story and she said but somehow or other a couple of retreats got me out of my security out of my comfort and I went for six weeks to China and she says it had some relationship to the meditation. I don't, know, I don't know what it was, but it got me into another place. So there is the quietness of the meditations. Nothing special is happening. But in the being, there may be some... It's a trust. Something may be cultivated and developed, which we find later on is really supportive and helpful for us. And that's part of that exploration of work, meditation and change and seeing, not during the days here actually, but in the days and weeks after being here, whether this is an insightful and beneficial support for your daily life. That's the criteria, in the daily life, in the thick of the daily life. That's the uh, measure. To take the, the world of experience and the, the view, quite often, you and I as human beings, we ha- may have some experience. It could be called anxiety. Very, very common. It's like an epidemic we know in the, the West. It could be fear. That sense of contraction that we know we have so much potential that we can offer so much but we feel contracted fear stops stops the voice it stops the action it stops the sharing it stops the risk it stops the adventure of life or it could be that there is a contraction inside of us and that contraction could be anger we're blaming ourselves for what we didn't do in the past or present criticizing, finding fault with other people and sometimes we're really feeling it the point is there is often a habit in the way of looking at the experience we'll name it, oh I'm so afraid oh I have so much anxiety with me oh I'm such an angry person and the view of the experience gives the experience a reality it makes it more of a problem could we allow ourselves while here and in the daily life to ask ourselves this contraction this tightness in my chest this holding in my stomach this anxiety I'm feeling uh, in my body or whatever could I have another way of viewing it not just in the same way that I've been using maybe for years or for decades and part of the reason for the importance of the exploration of the change in the view (coughs) is that when as women and men we repeat the same view the view is distorted and it is coloured by the experience and then so we say oh I'm afraid oh I'm really needy oh I'm so unloved 
I, I don't value myself. And we get so used to that, and we think the view is an objective statement about the situation. It isn't. It's a nightmare. And we, we're, we're so often in the spell of so much identification of the experiencer, of the viewer, and we forget the experiencer or the viewer, the same thing, is actually only interpreting it as this. It's not a truth. It's not an absolute reality. It's not the way things are. It's the view of it. And we're so used to it, especially these rather harmful negative views that we have about ourselves. We we are so used to it. It's the repetition of it which stops us from recognizing this is a belief. I believe this is what it is. And our meditation practice and our exploration is that view which isn't helpful for us. Can we just get just enough calmness and clarity in which I don't want to just try and impose another view but just enough calmness and clarity that in the looking at the experience to be open at all is there the potential and the possibility to look at this experience in another way so I'm not saying this view is not working for me it just makes me more upset or more um, more in a problem or whatever I should just find another view and impose that view no we're just saying this view is not working let me be receptive let me get close to the experience so we're not trying to be detached or cut off let me be in connection with it with an interest and the curiosity well maybe there's another way of looking at it which I've never even thought of before and the deep of the being of the human being has a wonderful potential to release extraordinary insights into the experience and when a fresh view comes there's only one way you know if it is authentic and the way that you know that is because that experience isn't troubling you the way that it used to you're looking at it quite differently and it's not so unusual sometimes you and I we've had some difficult experiences in the past and they upset us we feel hurt we feel a failure we feel we didn't do it right we were misunderstood and all of these opinions and views and hurts and disappointments and sometimes quite big changes that have gone on in our life and then there's the passage of time has gone by and in that passage of time has gone by we have changed inwardly and then we and then we look back and then we're telling our friends oh when he ran off with his lover whatever and when my house got burnt down and when I failed all my exams what are the other dramas that go on (laughs) etc but you know something it was the best thing that ever happened to me it woke me up it got me to change it would be a pity to wait five or ten years for this realisation for a fresh view yeah I go to India regularly and a few of you may, may have been to India and if you haven't what on earth are you doing? Anyway, no, sorry. Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> and people would go to India. It's not easy. It's, it's crowded, will you? Anyway, this is Israel you're used to that. So, <laughs> apologies. Not heartfelt, but apologies. Um, 
and most say, oh, it's the hassle, it's the pollution, you know, it's the air, it's the noise, it's this and that, all which is valid, and sometimes people get sick, and they get the deli belly, and the, all, the, all the other things, and they're, and, they're, and they're bored with the rats running across the body in the middle of the night, and all these other things. Uh, and then people say, I am never, ever, when the, going back to India, it's, it's, it's a nightmare. Never ever like, uh, go back there. And then they go home. The person goes home. How was life in India? Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to get back. <laughs> and and just how the view of anything there is the there is the potential uh, as teachers and, and perhaps some view as well. Sometimes we meet with people, women and men and whose life is really, really on the edge. A real life-threatening illness. There might be weeks, days, weeks or months left there. And I think, could we handle that kind of information being given to the doctors if we were in that circumstance? How would we handle being told you may have three months left, you may have a month left, you may not reach your next birthday, or, or whatever it might be. And there are some people, and it's quite extraordinary, despite that living in the unknown from day to day, something happens in the, in, in the being. In the, and such people will say, this really woke me up. This really made me realise that this life is extraordinarily short and that shortness of it I really am for the first time in my life I'm living fully each day with that kind of knowledge and, and this is the extraordinary capacity what could be an incredibly despairing and depressing experience for some people in the, the traumas and the dramas of existence Sometimes there is this response, and that response of these remarkable men, women, and children on the earth really are important for you and I to know. We have to learn from these people. These people have incredible insights of how to handle the most difficult situations. And all of that's part of what this work is about. It's about looking at relationship to experience. It's about finding our steadiness and clarity. It's noticing the view that we have and just letting that inner voice ask ourselves, the deep inner voice, is there another way to look at this? Any re responses? Anything like to uh, ask? Yeah. Yes, Practice done by minutes. Uh, Mr. Practice. This practice of changing the view or yes. thinking about the view is it something that happens um, only in the like rough events once in a few days or is it something in daily life we can experience every few minutes? Or, uh, no, no. Um, it, gen the, the the questions about the practice and and time really immediacy or minutes or or uh, uh, longer. And something which is important to us, which is what I have in mind in, uh, in speaking uh, with you. <coughs> when something is important to us, it may not emerge quickly and easily and fluidly a fresh insight, a fresh discovery, a fresh realisation. But it genuinely is worth keeping the curiosity and the interest alive uh, there. Because in the passage of time, small things unattended to tend to get bigger. One of the most common ones, of course, is giving ourselves a hard time. And then when things are not working out, in the big and the small, that habit has quietly, week by week, month by month, has been growing. 
And when it starts to grow a lot, we begin to find we're having difficulty even coping with a small situation, let alone a, a, a really a life-threatening or a big, big one. We just get upset and angry and put ourselves down over, over, over the small event. And there's some voice inside of us says to us, it is a small event. And our friends will say, come on, get over it. Or whatever they might, they might say, what's up with you? Not a big deal, etc. Et of course, it's so easy to tell our friends this. <laughs> but from the internal world uh, there, it's, sometimes it's the exploration that if there is a great tendency to keep putting ourselves down, and we simply can't find a fresh kind of view, it might require from us some serious non-egotistical reflection on the qualities which we have. And sometimes, as a small example on the retreat, if I was to say to a person, or some people, um, write down all the things you don't like about yourself. And sometimes people have said, there's not a big enough exercise book <laughs> to write down all the things I don't like about myself. Uh, uh, <coughs> Invite a person, not to, for the ego, as a statement of fact, to write down what they appreciate about them, themselves and quite often people go quiet they can't think of anything etc easy to write down what we don't like actually what we appreciate whoa whoa and so sometimes people have got a piece of paper admittedly it's a very small piece of paper and with a pen whatever and I said just go and write it down what you appreciate there and sometimes the person wow many acts of kindness and friendship and support and, and love of the arts and creativity and communication and the cappuccino and what, 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 the fact that I was able to come on a, on a retreat here and if I get to the end I'll be a survivor and, uh, <laughs> or whatever it might be and those appreciations are really really important because they are a reminder of our validity as a human being, our authenticity, and, our, and our, that, that, we are, that there's something genuine about being human. And this would then help us to recognize only old patterns which we have identified with. All the problematic issues, some way or other, have a history to them, and that history is landing, so to speak, in the present moment. And it's part of our practice and our uh, exploration to recognize that which is precious and deep and beautiful about life, about ourselves, alone and with others. And if we get that steady and clear, we will notice this arising of the old, which is, which is problematic and unhelpful and if I may quote the Buddha is it ok to quote the Buddha in here <laughs> the Buddha said in this recognition of the old like putting ourselves down because that's what we've been doing there, to really see this is the words this is not myself this is not who I am I am not this this is not myself this is not who I am. I am not this. So that old history and pattern is going to require from us some mindfulness and meditations and uh, reflections so we, we know what is old, which is unhelpful. And if we can make a little bit of space with regard to that, that which is deep in the being will come through. The insights, the creativity, the authority the fearlessness, the, com the commitment to life, the dedication 
on great initiative. That authority will come through because the old, which keeps undermining it and putting ourselves down, that, we say, this is not me, this is not myself, this is not who I am. Any other response? Yes. Hey. And what would you recommend to do on a daily basis to observe? Live, mostly. Huh? <laughs> to live <laughs> on a daily basis, I think it really helps. I'm sorry, I'm teasing. Go on. Do it usually. <laughs> to uh, observe and uh, reduce the tough shell of the ego. So the question is, with regard to the daily life, what can contribute to reducing the tough shell, as you point out, of the uh, uh, ego? Um, please do not get reborn as a tortoise. <laughs> anyway, what I mean, but so what? How to reduce this? The the the, the shell of the uh, ego. So two or three small responses uh, here. If our view of ourselves and and others' view of us is that we're hard and that we're tough and, let's say, tight or rigid or contracted or holding and, uh, or moody or whatever, which is unpleasant for, our, for us, obviously, there, but also it is difficult for the others, others uh, uh, as well. So it's a variety of practices. <coughs> One to consider is if I tend to be hard with the voice, it means it's coming from a hard voice inside. Can I have just enough mindfulness here to listen to a softer voice? And that listening to a softer voice from the deep inside the, the being may mean, as an expression, I speak much less loudly I don't keep interrupting the other I don't keep forcing my view written or spoken uh, uh, upon uh, the other and I'm more mindful in the tone and the attitude of the voice this will soften this shell of the ego uh, in, often in competition uh, with the others so it requires a clarity and a communication. Uh, there. So, this <coughs> so there's some kind of breakup of the shell, and that you know part of the practice. But we can explore the same thing while we are here as well, in terms of our meditation, being firm and steady in a real sense of a full human being. The posture can contribute to that, and if we notice the hard voice coming out of us. Uh, there, just to check in is there another voice which shows some understanding or some kindness some flexibility and to really take notice of that that, that, that there's a power with that voice yeah. Yeah. yes sir uh, it's a difficult question Please. Uh, my daughter of 54 years yes. passed away in, in 5 weeks Five weeks ago, Five yes, weeks ago. yes. And I want, I want to feel it with all my senses, for one side. You want to feel? I want to feel it. Feel it. The loss of it. Yes. With all my senses. Yes. But from the other side, I don't, know, I don't want to fall. To no. Down. No. To yeah. Yeah. That's so. Can a wise man give me a good um, answer? <laughs> yes. So the, the question is, uh, the gentleman uh, told us that uh, five weeks ago his 54-year-old daughter uh, passed away. And there is a wish to feel this and to connect with this. Is that right? Or would you I want say to feel it. I, I don't want to escape from this feeling. Mm. I want to feel it with all my senses. Yes. On one side. On the other side, I don't want to fall down. No, of course not. No, okay. and and it genuinely um, is an important awareness and mindfulness already from you. It is finding um, a middle way 
in which one extreme would be not to feel and the other extreme would be to be overwhelmed with emotions and feelings and grief and despair and so forth and there is some kind of uh, middle, middle ground the response to the, this kind of uh, situation is and, and firstly a very deep condolence to the loss of your uh, daughter um, we do as parents or as children feel the natural or the natural order is the parents pass from this world first and the children afterwards but life with its dynamics we don't always have that privilege that the parent that we the parents die first and then, and then leaving it to the next generation the feeling factor which is the one that you are referring to is deeply precious it's really uh, uh, Im- important and what is important with this is not to put pressure on yourself to feel if you put pressure on yourself to feel the difficulty with that is rather than feel you'll just experience the feeling of the pressure and that will push away the the deep feeling of uh, the loss the sadnesses uh, the father's connection and all the years more than 50 years of knowing and loving uh, your daughter (coughs) and it's going to be in the quiet other feelings of the day which are are the important ones the feeling of just two fathers talking to each other my daughter is 37 years of age um, and that, uh, the feeling of the new day the, the listening to the experiences of, of, of other, other people and to, re- and to see with yourself and also with others to provide the opportunity sometimes just in the language to use I feel to keep true to the wish that you have without forcing anything but to say you know I feel that I feel the loss of my daughter I feel the changes that are uh, the outcome of, of all, all, all of this and the loss is not and can't be absolute uh, of course there is a loss and it's a great loss clearly of presence but the, there's also the daughter who is within there is the memory there is all the precious and touching moments all that the father and the daughter shared together and all of that is in your being more than 50 years in your being uh, and it takes a quiet trust and patience uh, uh, with this it is important to remember that your daughter would not want you grieving, sorrowing, feeling despair there. Uh, her deep wish um, as a daughter is that, of course, you remember her, of course, that you can acknowledge and recognize all the beautiful things that the two of you shared. But she would also want you to get on with your life as well. And and this integration that, of the day-to-day life without any turning your back on your daughter to really include her and let the feeling life and her find that connection which feels right for you and which she would appreciate one more question please Yes. I worked for a company uh, some years ago. Yes. And they were a very successful company. And the company spent a great deal on research and development. And you look at all the top companies today, that's where the progress has been made. Yes. But unfortunately, people down at the lower levels are getting lost in that. Life, particularly Israel, is moving at such a pace. Mm. We don't <coughs> have time to control or develop ourselves properly because of the pace of everything. 
and somewhere along the line something has to change somewhere yes. and this is the process I think that people will start now looking at themselves properly yes. and research and develop themselves yes really a major point yeah. I have uh, many many conversations meet with people in the business community and the voices which I hear and read about and write about uh, as well that in this world of business world of um, efficiency and productivity and profit and also so often people in that business world, the business community, there's also a lot of competitiveness between the people in the management, in the field itself. And that and it's a pity to build up or try to build up some some sense of worth as a human being by the position that you have in the company, by your income and all that intensity and pressure which is pretty pervasive and you live here so you know um, how it is here and I hear the same voices again in other parts of the world and somehow there needs to be some kind of discourse somehow some communications need to, to take place where it's where relationship communication friendship where the bosses the CEO and the directors meet with the middle management meet with the office workers meet with the floor cleaners meet with the factory workers meet with the farmers whoever whatever they are. look at the products look at the ethics of it it's a whole new dialogue and it's going to take some thoughtful and caring voices and concerned voices like yours and others to see if there's a way of some kind of communication and meeting together. It may start, I, mean, I just mentioned a lot of issues, but it may just start with one person sharing and talking with another, finding some skillful communication with those from the top, the board, um, uh, all the way uh, through and sometimes those who are finding it difficult in the workplace and many common difficulties to talk to see what the concerns are to make those concerns clear and in the dialogue that takes place some change can take place and, and I, I say that has to run all the way through the business, uh, the business world. There's too much stress, a lot of unhappiness, a lot of loneliness, competitiveness. It's not working very well. Finally, oh, one more voice. Yes, please. Yes, yes, do. Yes. And I wonder where does the tendency to feel bad about ourselves come from and what can we do to improve for the next generation or kids? Or yeah, yes, it's a good uh, question. <coughs> I'm not one of those who like to dump all responsibility on parents. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Freud was a very naughty boy. <laughs> Um, I think life is a little bit more um, diverse uh, uh, than that. The difficulty is, it's a really important question, the difficulty is, in some cases, we may be able to track backwards to where or when the pattern started or whatever. That could be an incident of just being yelled and screamed at you know, by a parent it could be many other circumstances the issue with this though 
though we wonder where it came from, sometimes, for some people, the person knows. But it doesn't make any difference. Can't see what happened in the life that I end up with such a poor sense of my genuineness as a human being or there and others really have explored gone through the meditations the reflections, the analysis in, and uh, all the other things and really tried to find out and still don't know to me it's not so important whether I know or don't know where it came from the important is to change what's actually happening uh, uh, there. And sometimes it happens in the change, in the actual change, that change then provides the insight into where it came from. Because as long as the pattern is strong and we don't know where, it keeps coming across so we can't see clearly. And then sometimes people say, well, this habit this pattern, this conditioning when seeing the end of it seeing through it for all the ways that it, and then whoa, now I can see where it was because there's, there's more space to be able to see and then plenty of others will say I can't see where it come from frankly I don't care because it, the issue is gone <laughs> thank you let's have a, a quiet minute together shall we experience of life. May all beings live with love and wisdom. Thank you very much everyone for uh, coming and uh, spending some time. Thank you. Sandhya and uh, uh, also for the kind uh, invitation uh, there. The, just want to mention that in our program there were two events which really uh, touched me, touched me to the point of tears. And one, one evening <coughs> um, I had invited in carriage um, people from Europe to come to uh, uh, Israel and apart from one maybe maybe two at the most hadn't, hadn't been here before so as you know all the kind of propaganda and all the images and all that that goes on often gets in the way so one evening we had uh, two hours uh, together in which um, people from Israel from the Jewish community and some 15 to 20 people from Germany. We uh, sat together in the hall, had flowers and candles in the centre. And people from both countries sat and shared their stories and their experiences. Uh, it was deeply touching. And the wish to connect and understand each other, understand the impact of what happened, which is now, as we know, two to three generations uh, ago, and sometimes the ripples of this still continue. Um, but it was a really deep uh, and precious uh, uh, meeting. 
and this is the power of human <coughs> beings in such terribly painful history, unimaginably painful uh, history there. And today, people are talking and meeting and, and being open and with friendship and connection uh, with each other. And I think it's a real credit to all of all of you here, to in this case the uh, citizens from uh, overseas who came to have these. And then just and it was quite a you know it's quite a lot for everyone to hold and to to bear. It was quite quite there. And then I don't make life easier for people. I must say. So two evenings later, a Palestinian activist prominent journalist and prominent voice in the, in the Palestinian communities um, she's here with us there and uh, her name is uh, Lubna and I invited her uh, to sit with uh, myself and we would speak and respond to questions primarily for, for uh, Lubna and again Incredible credit to everyone in the hall. There's around 55 of us in this program to listen firmly and clearly uh, to her concerns, hear her love as well for everyone in the hall and for Israelis, and making it quite clear the determination for for the establishment of Palestine and keeping dialogue and friendship going at the same time uh, there. And in that hour and a half, hour and 45 minute uh, 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 period, uh, there's such a, a deep connection um, take, uh, taking place. And, and not easy, not easy for her, her to come here, not, not easy for people to uh, listen. But the power of the friendship and the love and the mutual interest and the real wish of prominent Palestinian and the Israelis as well as us from uh, uh, Europe to really listen and try to understand each other and, and, and get some sense of what understanding it really is uh, uh, all, all about and hopefully in our daily lives as, as well when we are in challenging situations that we can listen we can ask questions we can try to understand the other as much as you and I wish to be understood by the other. And that's part of this exploration. Thank you. Shalom. Salam. So it's just coming up to uh, six o'clock. What, what's supper? The magic word. <laughs> Some people tell me, Christopher. You know, come on retreats with you. It's not to listen to, to you give teachings. <laughs> it's basically the food is so good, and I'm willing to put up with everything. Everything else, <laughs> they told me that. Who am I to say? <laughs> All right, enjoy your supper. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Christopher. It's always a, a precious and lovely.